Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast where we <laughs> where we break down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. <laughs> and I'm Jeff Glover. Uh, and today, if you couldn't tell, we're talking obviously about minute 100. <laughs> and why are we? <laughs> why are we going? Because <laughs> we saw that song on the list of songs and we can't stop doing it. Sorry, everybody. Yes. This might be a theme for this minute. Oh, no. Yeah, that might be the unfortunate drop for the number 100 whenever it is spoken. So Did I say my say name? That. I'm Jeff Glover. Did I say that? I don't know. Oh, I don't know if you did, Jeff Glover. Yeah, I think I just wad. <laughs> yeah, you want to make sure you're facing away from the mic when you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I might hit my head. Yeah. I might hmm. spit up some KY on some stuff. <laughs> this show's off to a great start. It we're is. Really, we're really doing well. We're talking about minute 100. I mean, I don't know where do you go from minute 100. 100 is such like just a meaningful universal number to us. Well, universal. Universal to us earthlings. We make a really big deal out of it. Uh, but just the only 100 I could think of sport-wise, well, a couple things. One, when someone scores 100 wickets, it's called a century in cricket. Mm. Mm. 100 wickets. How I don't do know what that do? means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I tried to watch uh, some cricket back in the day when ESPN was really promoting it. They're like, India, Pakistan, mm. catch the cricket fever. And I tried. I tried for <laughs> a couple hours to catch cricket fever. Couldn't catch it. You were wearing <laughs> Couldn't a mask. Couldn't catch it. Right. <laughs> I was wearing a GD mask. Uh, but the other 100 of note in sports is the uh, top score in a basketball game by Wilt Chamberlain scoring a hundred points in a single game. Oh, wow. Unheard of a hundred points. That still is freaking crazy. That's insane. So basically he was outscoring on a, on that night, like the average score of like a nineties basketball team. Have you, right. Have you like looked in, ever looked into that? Like I never have was, was there a concerted effort by his teammates just to get him to a hundred? Like, oh, wow. did they decide that night? Like, you're going to score 100, or did it just happen organically? Do you have any idea? Oh, I mean, he was like the Babe Ruth of his time without right. without all the championships. I think he won some championships like past his prime, but Wilt Chamberlain, I remember, was just like so well-known for being a prolific scorer. I think this was the season where he averaged, he averaged 50 points a game. What the fuck? What the fuck? And he also, uh, I don't remember if it's this season or a different season, one season he averaged 25 rebounds a game. So the guy was just oh like God. this gigantimos, this humunculus person uh, off the court and on the court. Wow. Yeah. Wilt the stilt. Wilt the stilt. But um, I think I think that game is mythical also in the sense that it was not televised, that there was just like reporters there at the game who were, reporting that he scored 100 points and like the famous picture is him sitting in the locker room just holding a piece of paper that says 100 can you imagine any major sporting event just not being televised anymore like that yeah. doesn't happen that's so strange right it would wow. yeah it'd be and if something big is happening then everybody would rush to it anyway they're like oh my god like he has right. 63 points by halftime like we need to throw some sports reporters in there like even if it's not being televised but they're all televised all the time all the way down to like peewee league games, right? Right, right. Oh man, what did how, how things have changed? Wow, that's a good one. Go Wilt. 
Uh, I'm kind of sad now that I did not live during his era to see, uh, I guess I could go back and go back and and watch those games, but um, (laughs) uh, that's, that's, that's still an incredible, you know, sometimes these old um, records don't, don't seem to hold up as well. Like, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know a lot about baseball, but Babe Ruth was, was kind of a slow fat guy right <laughs> and, and he just had that brawn and he just hit all those home runs and i'm i've always wondered like could he hit that many home runs off a modern day pitcher i don't know yeah. um but i feel like with basketball i mean basketball has changed a lot too but uh god like scoring 100 points whether it was 40 years ago or now is a ridiculous achievement no matter what like that's yeah. crazy yeah just crazy. Just like every time you're going on the court, you're like, well, th- yeah, I, this game, I know it's going to wilt. <laughs> like, but right. you can't, clearly can't stop him. You can't do anything about it. Can't do anything about it. So we made it to 100. Good job, us. Good job, us. 100 minutes in. This is, wow. yeah, what, what is it? The Roman numeral C. It's 10 squared. It's the sum of the first nine primes, 2, 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, 17, 19, 23. Fun fact, I didn't realize that the number one was not a prime number. That surprised me. That's true. Yeah, there's a there's a, a proof of that. I couldn't tell you what it is, but yeah, that's a weird one. It feels like one should be a, a prime number, but it's not. Uh, what else? Oh, it's 100 degrees Celsius. It's the boiling point of water. Huh. Uh, Benjamin's, of course, $100 bill. Yep. Uh, it's the number for the police in Greece. Dial 100. <laughs> you just and dial 100? Also, it's like 911 exactly. in Greece? Yeah, yeah exactly. Hmm. Also in India, Nepal, Israel, uh, it's the number for police. Um, it's the number of yards on a football field. Sure. There is a Highway 100 in Washington, which is four miles long and goes around <laughs> Cape Disappointment. I don't know if you uh, – weren't we talking about you going to Cape Disappointment one time? I think so. I can't remember why, uh, but it's, it's fitting that – the highway 100 is only four miles long around Cape Disappointment. Cape Disappointment. <laughs> Boy, that was that was nothing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, disappointed. Probably my favorite thing having to do with the number 100 is the <laughs> titular 100 Years War, which actually lasted lasted 116 years between uh, England and France. Hmm. We didn't really, I didn't really know where to go after saying 99, and we kept talking about 1999. So I just rolled over the calendar, and now 100 to me is going to represent the year 2000. Hope that's okay with you. I think that's fine. Let's okay. do it. We're looking at the last two digits, right? Zero, zero. Yeah. yeah. Y2K, right? Yeah. And all you listeners out there, that's what we're doing. So get on board. Yeah. <laughs> or go somewhere else. Just kidding. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Yeah. Ooh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Reset. (laughs) (laughs) The year 2000 was the first year I ever voted in a presidential election. Hey, must have been me too. Yeah. Because we're like the same age. And I should have moved to Cape Disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's weird when your president that you're voting for wins the popular, but not this weird kind of fictitious yeah. electoral vote like it happened, I don't know, in 2016? And it was decided by the Supreme Court and yeah. they, were, they were hanging chads. and Oh, yeah. chads are the worst. Oh, chads are the worst. <laughs> chads and Karens. <laughs> hanging Karens. Hang- oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. No, don't go there. Um, music. 
God. What was happening with music in the year 2000, John? It, it's it's weird because I feel like we had this awesome run of all this music. And I was saying I had yeah. this CD and I had that CD. And I listened to this CD so many times or this old tape in the 90s. And then we hit 2000. This year was weird. My note was that in making this music list, I realized that I will never, ever seek out any of these songs for a re-listen. <laughs> you know, I just said it's tripe across the board. And then I added to you later on, like maybe, maybe for like novelty effect, like I'll throw in some of these, like who let the dogs out? Uh, <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Oops. <sighs> I did it again. Uh, Lip so, biscuit songs. I mean, these yeah. are all like kind of basically parody songs now. Well, this is this is the this is the the weird time, right? Like we are full on into the NSYNC Backstreet Boys ification of music right now, <laughs> yep. right? Like that is happening full bore, and uh, you know the alternative rock grunge is pretty much gone at this point. But you know it has to be replaced by some sort of rock. So in comes like <laughs> some new, kind of new rock, some maybe. sort of new metal, like the. Limp Biscuits, The Disturbs, The Systems of a Downs. Uh, Christ. Uh, <laughs> so we get a lot of that in here too. And I, I, I'm with you. There's not a lot of music here that I would uh, ever purposefully revisit. I, I will point out a couple that I were listening to at the time and that I still uh, think are, are uh, worth listening to. Um, love him or hate him, the Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem is is one that I still uh, listen to on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one I really liked at the time. Although it's 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 that thing with Eminem where you have to kind of like you you have to sort of take it at arm's length, right? You, you if you think too much about the the content of the lyrics, <laughs> then you won't want to listen to it because some of the things he's saying is horrible. Yeah. Um, but, but you also got uh, you've also got the Dr. Dre album, um, the the Chronic 2001, I believe. You've got Californication by Red Hot Chili Peppers. I liked that album, still do. Um, you got uh, Down with the Sickness. <laughs> Never mind, I hate that song. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, a little sort of guilty pleasure of mine from this era is uh, is Nelly. I-, I love the I love country grammar. I love that first oh, Nelly album. I had um, that one for sure. I yeah, wore that one out unapologetically. I will I will listen to some Nelly. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but that's about it, man. When you go through this list, so for our listeners out there, we're looking at stuff like. Uh, say my name bye 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 um, who let the dogs out uh, teenage dirtbag <laughs> uh, all the small you have your blink 182 yeah all, yeah yeah all the small things um, you got some creed songs you got some three doors down songs you got some disturbed songs some Limp biscuit songs yeesh Ooh, I, I would say, okay, I'm looking towards the end of my list, and okay, yeah, I put One More Time by Daft Punk. That's one where I would solidly put that in the recommend pile of... I do like Daft Punk. I would agree with you. Yeah, there. this yeah. is like, I, I, for me, this is like starting to be the turning point where I start listening to like a lot more dance music, a lot more electronic music. Mm. It's kind of 2000, 2001 era, especially. A friend in 2001, and I'll talk about that next episode, but um, the next episode. Hey, yay, yay, yay. Hey, hey, hey. Smoke weed every, every day. day. <laughs> but yeah, like Daft Punk, like is is just coming out with their um, some of the, their first hits, uh, and one more time is like their first, I would say, really really big one. 
that takes hold and they they released their CD net the following year but I remember listening to this song a lot but on that CD next episode I, w- I do want to get in there that uh, in terms of popular music you and I are not that impressed by the 2000 music list but I was pretty into music at this time and there was a lot of other music I was listening to that wouldn't have made a popular music list but I listened to a lot of like kind of West Coast underground hip hop at the time I was hmm. I was kind of doing some some DJ work uh, around my college ca- college town that I lived in. Um, I had a pair of turntables and I would play music at different uh, music venues on occasion. And uh, so I was listening to a lot of stuff like Jurassic Five and uh, and Black Alicious and and uh, <laughs> hieroglyphics and these these West Coast kind of underground uh, hip hop groups that got real popular um, for a while if you listen to that sort of music. So. I don't want to shit all over 2000, the year 2000 too much because there, there's good stuff to be found. It's just not going to be on your build, you know, top 100 billboard chart right. list, you know. Yeah. Huh, cool. And, cool and I'm sure that's true in other genres too. So anyone out there that is fans of other genres, I'm, I'm sure you're yelling at the at your podcast right now. Yeah. Things that I'm missing. <laughs> yeah, like you didn't talk about Creed. Oh, <laughs> With arms wide open, arms wide open. <laughs> Bring it back around. Uh, 2000 for me was not a huge year for games, so you're you're, you're kind of I don't know. You're kind of going edgy with some of your first-person shooters, like Time Splitters, and uh, you're going more realistic with like things like Rainbow Six. Mm-hmm. You have the um, the the ultimate, not ultimate, the excellent. Uh, spiritual sequel to GoldenEye, which is Perfect Dark, made by pretty much all the same people. Yep. I remember Zach and I just played that a ton, and he became so good at that. Like, he would set up, like, these matches with all these bots at, like, the highest level, and he could take them all out. He's, he was pretty matrixy with that game. Yeah, that was a fun game. Uh, this is a moment in time where I kind of, this begins uh, a period in my life where I kind of transitioned away from video games for a while. Mm-hmm. And part of it was because I just couldn't afford it. Um, I was in college. I was at this point, my parents were not helping me anymore because my sister was in college. So now I was on student loans and I was working and putting myself through school. And so my, you know, we had an N64 in our house, but this is, this is in the transition to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't afford to buy the next Xbox or the next GameCube or whatever. And, uh, so I kind of stopped playing video games for a while. We had Perfect Dark for the N64, but um, and I played that quite a bit. But starting around now and for like the next, almost next decade, I kind of got away from video games for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Do we need, that, so yeah. were any of these games big for you other than Perfect Dark or is that about it? That's about it, yeah, in 2000. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, 2001 is another big turning point, um, kind of like music would be for me, but video games too, because 2001, that's when like the GTA 3 comes out and hits mm. the PlayStation 2 and like everybody loses their mind, including including me and my brothers. We're like, I can't believe it, but we'll talk about that the next episode. So I'll leave uh, 2000 games uh, in the dust, I think in the dust. I think we did it. Dust. Yeah. What about what about some movies that stood out to you, Jeff? What uh, stood off off this uh, list besides "Dude, Where's My Car"? Sweet, <laughs> sweet, dude. dude what, um, but what's it say? Sweet. <laughs> what 
that's mine say dude <laughs> Uh, by the way, for the listeners, I don't know if you know this, but occasionally Jeff and I will be texting each other and we'll end the <laughs> conversation with like a dude to the other one and the other one responds sweet and then goes dude and then we go sweet until uh, we basically have to go to bed. <laughs> I, I posted a screenshot of one of yes. those conversations to the Palapa. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, this is a, this is a, also kind of an interesting movie list. Lots of ups and downs here. Mm-hmm. Um the ones that stick out to me um, in terms of like some big, bigger blockbusters that I also really liked, I would say gladiator and Castaway mm-hmm. are high up there. Um, I love almost famous. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I remember liking crouching tiger, hidden dragon, but I've never watched it since. Um, oh brother, where art thou? Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot, well, I'm going to come back. There's a specific movie on this list I'm going to come back to. But uh, so let's see. We'll keep going here. See, a lot of these I never even saw. The Ninth Gate, Romeo Must Die, uh, The Skulls. I may have saw. I may have seen The Skulls on, on VHS. <laughs> but there's a lot of kind of uh, sort of – it's a weird uh, mixture with the pop music going on. I feel like there's a lot of pop mu- movies here. You know what I mean? Like sure. Final Destination, Romeo Must Die, uh, The Skulls. Like these were all movies kind of made for like teenagers, you know? Yeah, I would say this is like like your Generation X of of movie appeal where like the stars and maybe some of the creators are these Generation X types with like mm. a little bit of that, that angst, that leftover teenage angst uh, taken out. Like when I think about things like, like you're saying, Romeo Must Die and I might even throw Coyote, Coyote Ugly on there. As, yeah, as sure. Kind of these, these movies with, with a big edge to them, the skulls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I will point out a couple of my own sort of personal faves here. Mm-hmm. Um, where where was – oh, Best in Show I think is mm. a great comedy. Yes. Um, and if you've never seen Best in Show – Please go back and watch it. It's fantastic. Starring, um, starring the shits, right? That's right. That's right. Stars Johnny and, and Moira. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's great. Um, High Fidelity is one of my favorite films. Mm. Um, it's also a great book. And uh, Jack Black gives a performance in that movie that is a one for the ages <laughs> as a <laughs> as a supporting character. Mm-hmm. And then I cannot leave this list without bringing up Probably this movie, because of the time period it came out and the fact that we had it on VHS in our house and that we all loved it, I've probably seen this movie more than any other, any other movie in my entire life. Oh, man. So that's true. This is Boiler Room. What? <laughs> that's the movie you've probably seen the that's most? The, I've probably seen Boiler Room more times than any other movie in my life. And that includes like Frozen and Frozen 2. Oh my God. Are you still watching this like these days? We had, so I, in college, uh, in the year 2000, I lived in a house. It was a five bedroom house. Six of us lived there. We had a pretty good sized VHS collection because we all had our own VHSs that we stacked up. You know, mm-hmm. Boiler Room was one of them, and for whatever reason, that movie was playing in our house on a loop, oh, and God. it has so many quotable lines. Uh, 
and parts to it that are easy to memorize and lines that you can say like to each other that we would quote boiler room to each other constantly, <laughs> constantly. Can, can you give me a quote? Cause I don't really know the movie. Oh my well. God. There's so many. Uh, you're a Jew with the mind of a champion. Um, <laughs> uh, God, uh, I'm a judge for Christ's sake. <laughs> Lift up your skirt and grab some and grab your balls. That's another one. Oh um, man! Have you ever seen Boiler Room? Maybe a long time ago. I, I recognize the whatever the movie cover. It's <laughs> it's early it's, Vin Diesel. It's very broy, but it's good. So Giovanni Ribisi plays a guy who goes and joins, basically like a chop shop, um, uh, uh, stock selling company. And uh, you've got your Vin Diesel, you got your Ben Affleck, uh, you've got a Affleck, yeah, all these kind of like that guys from the early two thousands playing all these young, uh, money hungry guys trying to sell people bad stocks, um, <laughs> and Giovanni Ribisi is the son of a, a legitimate like judge, and uh, anyway, it's basically the story of him like getting into this company, finding out that they're bullshit. And then all the aftermath. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. You set us up. It's all bullshit. It's not a great movie by any means, but it is a good movie. Like I, okay. you know, it's a good movie, but uh, it doesn't deserve to be watched three hundred times. But um, <laughs> that's what happens. So, oh man, I'm not going to apologize for it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. Wow, Boiler Room. Boiler Room. The movie I've seen more than any other movie. That is. <laughs> Oh, that is amazing. No one would ever guess it. <laughs> no, no, I was not going to guess that. I would have said something like, uh, I don't even know. Rules of engagement. The thing. Yeah. Dead. yeah. I was just thinking from this year. Yeah. Even, oh, right, um, right. Yeah. Gosh, I think a couple of standouts for me are superhero movies. I, I really like that first X-Men movie, the first one and the second one. Mm. Uh, this is, this is a really... Not, not necessarily Marvel, but it's. I guess this is a Fox property at the time, X-Men. But they come out with that first movie with Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. And you just don't have any idea like how big of a deal this is going to be. Right. Like, and so it, it almost comes off, like when you watch it, it almost comes off like a little low-budget indie movie more than uh, anything else. You, you couldn't compare that X-Men with like the Marvel movies of today, but it's really kicking off, helping kick off. Um, that superhero craze because X Men Two comes out I think three years later if I remember correctly maybe yeah. two years uh, but that one and then and X and then there's this little known not little but littler known I would say superhero movie which I didn't know about until I listened to F this movie a couple of years ago and I didn't realize what movie it was it's this M Night Shyamalan movie Unbreakable Unbreakable yeah Unbreakable yeah Unbreakable is uh, pretty good it, yeah it was like surprisingly good because I was a big fan of sixth sense and signs and that's about it from him. And then I'd heard about unbreakable and then I, you know, seen early, you know, the reviews back in 2000 where people are just tearing it up. But when you watch it now, it is, it is such a cool little uh, story of a superhero and a villain, but done in an in night, like a classic in night way where it's just really intriguing and, and thrilling and, suspenseful i would say end to end where he has a twist and it's really well done and it's 
about superheroes somehow and you're just like okay this is cool okay like i i do like certain superhero movies if they're done you know in the right style yeah yeah it's cool and uh did you ever see any of the sequels to unbreakable uh no i i couldn't be bothered with that just they they just (laughs) seem to go you know a bit too big for my taste i kind of i kind of like some of these movies at like kind of the smaller scale not not all of them sometimes i like a big scale but sometimes i really like kind of that more uh, intimate scale and like i said the early m night stuff i haven't seen a lot of late m night late night stuff yeah the follow-ups are interesting because like there was a movie called split mm-hmm. which was sort of a sequel like it was really a standalone film until you get to the third act and they kind of like tie it together into unbreakable but then the third film which came out like in not that long ago 2019 or 18 i think called glass glass kind of brings unbreakable and split together and it's sort of the third in the trilogy and uh it was uh, okay um i've never wanted to go back and rewatch it i've never felt compelled to rewatch it but it was interesting to kind of see them try to kind of pull these different stories all together okay but i i agree unbreakable is by far the best of the three i think okay cool Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, you uh, at least hold it highly compared to the other ones. Yeah, um, yeah. What do we got for sequels, John? What's happening uh, here? God, it is sequels are just going the way of the dodo. I would say at this point, <laughs> yeah, in terms of like bad. quality and staying power, like people are probably not hanging around and really adoring things like Next Friday or uh, what Flintstones Two, Nutty Professor Two, Highlander Four. Uh, Urban Legends to I would say Blair Witch 2. Blair Witch 2 stood out to me as a weird sequel in that it's completely different than the first movie where the first movie is founding this idea or this method of found footage and it just it goes more to like the steady cam handheld cam Blair Witch 2 does and like third person mode and like was really taking me aback because even though like I I was terrified by Blair Witch 1 uh, there was some stuff to like about it, I thought, even though I don't like scary movies. And like mm-hmm. Blair Witch 2 just totally goes into this kind of mm-hmm. sequelitis game where it's like, we're going to go bigger and better and totally different than the first one. Like, you didn't, you didn't have to do that. Yeah. Fun fact, yeah. I've never seen Blair Witch 2. Yeah. For, for years, I, I people told me it wasn't very good, so I just never got around to watching it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just different. It has a lot more. I'll say this when I'm talking about the Generation X ness, like Blair Witch One doesn't feel Generation X at all. Yeah, but like Blair Witch Two feels like it takes on those kind of tropes of like, mm. like here's like the edge to everything, and everybody has attitude, and everybody's <laughs> right. They're you know, so so mean to each other. It's like right. ah, so that's not what I. They don't need that. You need. I'm, I'm angsty. I hate yeah. my parents. Mm. I listen to Disturbed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then there's, of course, Mission Impossible 2. I'd say the worst of the Mission Impossible movies. Having seen, having seen all of them, it's by, by far like the worst, in my opinion. Is that the John Woo one? I think it is. John, with the slow motion motorcycle. John Woo. <laughs> oh, all right. I think we did a pretty good job there with the two, year 2000 pop culture. I think we did it. I think we talked... Uh, the number 100 and the year 2000 pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Should we uh, talk about Predator? 
Let's talk about Predator. Can I can I talk about like the thing I did with the words there? Yeah, do it. I'm super curious to to learn about this. Uh, yeah, this so, has been on my mind for a while. You know, yeah. as, you know, when you're thinking about Predator, you're thinking like one of the things you're thinking is like I need to make a wordle of the entire script. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. If, if you're not familiar with the wordle, wordle is just like the I don't know the proper name of what you call like a word cloud when you smush all the words together and like the words that are showing up more frequently appear larger in the word cloud. Uh, so I took the whole script, which was, I think we've been referencing this. Uh, like I found a word document that had the, all the script just like typed out line for line, word for word, which was nice. Took those, copied it into one of these word cloud sites and it produced this beautiful, what I chose the color scheme to be red and green. Of course, yeah, like the movie. Good job with that. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, to find out what were the most frequently used words in Predator. Did you already, you probably already read the list, right? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at your Wordle yeah. uh, word cloud right now. It's a beautiful thing. We should we should post that onto the uh, Palapa. We will. We will. Yeah. Target's the center of the Palapa, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. And what's but, the big word right in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> the big word right in the middle. Um, the second most used word in the script after "got." I'm not going to count "got." What a garbage word is <laughs> Mac. 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 Mark. Mark. <laughs> Mark. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> then you have get, come, major. Major. I guess it's nothing major. It's nothing major. Uh, time, which surprised me. I don't, I don't remember them saying the word time yeah. a lot. Yeah. I know any time, but that's, I think it's own word. Any time. Uh, anyway, um, you have, after time, you have Dylan. Dylan! 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 <laughs> you have no, like to know something, K N O W. You have Billy. Billy! 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 Like, see, Dutch. Mm. Men, one, gonna, hell, <laughs> man, can, chopper or choppa. Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! Hawkins, something, and thing. So these are all words that are used eight or more times in the script. That's the complete list right there. It's great that Hawkins is one of them in there. That's yeah, great. like, mo- yeah, most of the team is there. Mac, Dylan, Billy, Dutch, Hawkins. That's five out of the seven. We don't have Blaine, and we don't have uh Poncho. Here's a good game that I would suggest to our listeners who may see this on the Palapa eventually. Mm-hmm. Just start making up sentences out of the words <laughs> that you see around the edges of the wordle. And yeah. You got some pretty fun stuff happening here. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at one right now. It says, fucking come make <laughs> got style minister bullshit. Damn. <laughs> minister bullshit. <laughs> You set us up. It's all bullshit. I also like how on the right side, just tilted down, is the word motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. On the left, you have kill pussy hopper. Yeah. <laughs> just kill pussy hopper. <laughs> just kill pussy hopper. Uh, pretty oh, great. Nice, nice job with that. What a fun idea. Yeah, so Thanks. check that out. We'll post that picture to the Palapa, and uh, you guys should check that out. That's pretty fun. And, and and because I had to put the most frequently words used words, I also built a very, very short list of the words only used once in the script. There are a lot of words used only once. It's a 
it's an economic script to say the least. It, it uses the minimum of words to push across the story. Uh, so here's some of the words that really stood out to me used only once in the entire movie. You have woman, uh, Tyrannosaurus, <laughs> transponder, ticket, targets, as in... Targets the center of the palapa. Targets the center of the palapa. Targets the center of the palapa. That's the one. You have payback. Payback time. Payback time. Uh, hey, there's a time. You have palapa, of course. Palapa. Libya, Libya, invasion, hombres, helicopter. Notice there's the word helicopter, but yep. chopper is one of the most used words. So clearly they're going off of what must, what can only be described as military slang for a helicopter, which is chopper. Uh, goodbye, earth, duck, dump, demon, and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Great last three. Dump Man. demon cheese. <laughs> We've all done that after a Taco Bell run. We've all had to <laughs> right. dump some demon cheese. <laughs> oh, no. That's payback right there. That's payback afternoon hangover run. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't I can't recall right now what is goodbye. When do they say goodbye? Oh god. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, we're gonna have to come back to that one maybe. Like that one stood out to me as like I can't remember when they said that in the script. Maybe somewhere in the first act when they're just having lots of conversation. Um, yeah, like goodbye. Like I'm just gonna like he doesn't say goodbye when he hangs up on Blazer One. Is there a goodbye in any of Hawkins' jokes? Oh, maybe. I can actually go find it right now. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Max says Mac. Mac. Mac says it. To uh, Blaine, as he's putting his body to rest, he says, goodbye, bro. Goodbye, bro. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Ma- yeah. All right. Should we jump into this minute? We should. It's Predator Minute. We should start talking about Minute 100 of Predator. Oh, minute 100 oh, opens oh, with Dutch rousing himself awake. Oh, what's happening? Oh, and, and, it, <laughs> and it ends with the Predator looking away from Dutch, just casually avoiding eye contact at the mm. end of this minute. Mm. Sneaky predator. First part of this minute we're going to discuss is about zero to 26 seconds. We carry over from last minute. Mm-hmm. See a close-up of Dutch's face, eyes closed, lens flare on his face, flames crackling in the background. The giant log, would you rather, we don't do <laughs> That with the ones resting on the predator now begins to creakily move. Creak. We cut to Dutch rousing awake and then looking towards the felled log and the predator. Dutch picks up a good-sized rock, grunts as he walks to the fallen log, and the predator raises the rock above his head and then pauses while holding that rock high above. End first section. Mm-hmm. Mm. So... Dutch is okay. He's gotten up. He's moving. Yeah. I, I, uh, and we just saw the giant uh, log, the would you rather fall on the predator. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he, he rouses himself pretty quickly. Um, I want to bring up a point that Joseph Parker brought up in the predator minute listeners. Palapa targets the center of the. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Parker, bless his heart. He says, I have to scroll way down because people are just going bananas on the predator listeners. Again for you. 
There you go. What is that wet sound? Roland on the Twitter was like, what is that sound? That's a good question, Roland. I don't know. And I, I probably don't want to know. <laughs> Gross. Oh, I don't see his note on here. But at one point, uh, Joseph Parker was making, maybe it was not Joseph Parker. Sorry. I think I commented on the, uh, when you posted the minute. Oh, okay. About Dutch, like playing. Yeah. Um, playing uh, coy. Yeah, Joseph Parker. Yes, yes. He says, uh, I'm inclined to believe Dutch is crawling as a strategy, not because he's too hurt. In the next few minutes, I have a feeling we'll be seeing him walking or running just fine. I think that walking or running just fine is adrenaline, Joseph and other people. Uh, I think that he picks up the rock here after he rouses himself. I don't think this, because that would maybe suggest that this is like kind of a fake little cat nap he's taking at the beginning of minute 100. I don't think that's fake at all. I think he's he's exhausted. He thinks he's won, and his body is just finally giving him that break. But then as soon as that log starts moving, would you rather a little bit to his left? And he kind of slowly looks over, kind of like when your kids wake you up, and you're like, is it really yeah. that time to wake uh, up? He immediately yeah. grabs a rock, like you do with your kids. He grabs that <laughs> rock, <laughs> holds it above, and then has to pause. But... I, I think he's just exhausted and that adrenaline has just, you know, flown through his system just enough to, to cause him to pick up uh, the, the, the killing rock. Well, I agree. I mean, uh, you, you think about all he's been through in the last couple minutes and uh, the adrenaline is flying high. You know, the log comes crashing down and, and it seems like he has killed the predator right there. And, and mm-hmm. so it's not um, hard to believe that he would lay down against this tree and just let his shoulders down, close his eyes and just let that exhaustion start to roll over him. Um, but yeah, as soon as he sees that log, you know, shimmying, then boom, his, his, his eyes are open and he's, he's snapped out of it uh, and grabs that rock. He's going to go see if he can finish this guy off. What? I didn't have much else. Uh, I, I noticed that the, I've watched this minute quite a few times as we do. I noticed that the thing that seems to really stoke him is when he hears the predator start to click, like make the little clicking sounds. That right. Indicating that the predator still lives. Like it's not just a post-mortem twitching that's moving the log over there. It's, it's uh, the predator still beating green blood through his what must be a green heart. Yeah. You, you mentioned in your notes that we get kind of a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a, a little bit of a jaws ripoff here with the dun in mm-hmm. the score, right? As, right. As we see that log shimmy and, and Dutch's eyes start to wander back over there. Uh, and I hadn't noticed that until you mentioned it. And now I can't unhear it when I watch this <laughs> section, <laughs> but it is like a very classic dun And luckily they just do it one time. They don't keep it going over and over again, but mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't become quicker and quicker. Like right. <laughs> right. it's not a guy playing a cello uh, behind the tree. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's just yeah, a guy. Is, there's a movie. There's a movie where they do that gag where there's a guy like in a tuxedo playing a cello in the water. Is huh. it maybe it's like Hot Shots or, or maybe one of the There's Naked Gun something movies. like that? Because they're yeah. never like officially Jaws spoofs, which now surprises me. Thinking about how spoof heavy like '80s and '90s were. Right, right. How was there never a Jaws like a? I don't even know what you call it. Kind of a 
a spoof. I don't know. But yeah, that is yeah. surprising. Yeah. Listeners, uh, once you find that and you know what Jeff is talking about with the guy in the water playing the cello. Well, what am I thinking of, listeners? What what that? Did, or was it a dream induced by Taco Bell? I, <laughs> he, had, he had the demon cheese. Did I, <laughs> I dump out my demon cheese and then come up with this thing in my head. No, there oh. is. Uh, I'm thinking of something. So. Uh, I'm putting it out to you, listeners. What is Jeff Glover thinking of? I'll let you yeah. decide. It's a, it's a new, it's a new segment on our show. <laughs> what is Jeff thinking? Yeah. Uh, I love scary. that segment. <laughs> All right, uh, we last, jump to the, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I would say the last thing we see is uh, Dutch continuing. Sorry, or Arnold continuing his just excellent face acting throughout the movie. It starts here not starts here, but it continues here at the beginning of the minute with him just drowsily looking over, like giving that totally exhausted look to, and he converts it to kind of like a pained and anger and wanting to finish the job face. And right before he brings the rock down on the predator at the end of the 26 second mark, you you see him like kind of making like a mix of like an angry, but also kind of surprised face. And we don't know what he's looking at. We don't know what he's seeing yet. Why in the world is he just, why is he just not bringing down this, this, this justice upon this vile, vile demon predator? Well, let's get to it, huh? Yeah, let's talk about it. It's probably a really cool sight that he sees. So what's going on, Jeff? All right, second part of the minute. Second 27 all the way to the end. As Dutch holds the rock high up in the air, we see the predator in a close-up, bleeding his green KY jelly blood all over himself. <laughs> The flames still crackling in the background. Cut back to a now surprised Dutch still holding the rock. Cut back to the predator spitting, not swallowing, (laughs) green KY blood onto his own face. (laughs) Breathing laboriously, cut back to the extreme close-up of Dutch now lowering the rock and looking more critically at his enemy. We see the bird's eye view of Dutch tossing the rock harmlessly aside. Cut back to critical Dutch. What does he say, John? What the hell are you? Cut back to Predator Vision and then back to the close-up of the Predator's face. And then we hear the Predator say, What the hell are you? Nice. Cut back and forth between their two faces and end of minute. Mm. It's a pretty awesome uh, scene right here. It, It is an awesome scene and it just raises more questions, which... Uh, I think in the right movie's hands, like that's a good thing. Sometimes it can be infuriating to have lots of questions come up. Like, why did they do this? Why did they do that? If the rest of the movie is not satisfying, but I feel like the rest of this movie is so satisfying that it's okay to ask questions. Like why does Dutch not just smash the predator in the face with this, uh, this taking care of rock business? Yeah, that is a strange choice. I, you know, I understand him not smashing the predator right away in that moment because the predator seems so helpless, so injured, stuck underneath this log. But I don't think I would just toss the rock to the side and let it roll down the hill. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you maybe just hold on to it for insurance? Right, just in case the predator has one more trick up the sleeve. Yeah, yeah, maybe not just haphazardly just throw it down the hill. Mm Mm-hmm. Like maybe but, he has like a hidden knife on him or something like that. Like you just, you don't know. You don't know. Oh. <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> Cut that out. 
<laughs> you, you got it. <laughs> what I am uh, struck by in the scene is just we get a pretty long close up of the predator's face here with mm-hmm. with the uh, the green KY blood all over him. I'm struck by how good it looks. Mm-hmm. Like how great that that predator costume design was and how realistic it looks. Like even in this extreme close up of his face, it does not look like plastic and latex to me. Like it looks organic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the things that is just what's made this movie endure is like, you don't watch this part and laugh at the bad special effects. Mm-mm. You don't watch this part and be like, Oh, look at that goofy rubber suit. Like that, that does not happen here. Like that is a legitimately realistic looking and terrifying alien covered in this green goo. And like, it's, it's quite impressive what they pulled off with the creature design. I, I know mm-hmm. we've talked about it endlessly, but um, it's just reinforced here. I think it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of different things going on there for sure because not only do you still have the animatronic face with like however many remote controllers John McTiernan said they had. I think he said like six or seven people are controlling just the face. Mm-hmm. But now you have like this green goo squirting everywhere and um, you have – what is obviously Kevin Peter Hall's eyes poking out and him having to like close them. So he doesn't spit up the green goo in his eyes. Like you would, if you were like a real alien spitting up your own blood, you'd be kind of like closing the eyes. I think that's really what marries it all together is like just that realist, the, like the real eyes and back there and he's wearing some kind of amazing contacts clearly. Right. Um, so you can see the eyes or the eyes themselves are animatronic and, I haven't heard anything um, in the commentary about that, but if they are, that's an amazing job they did because the eyes are just so lifelike. Whereas the eyes, if the eyes are a little bit off, that's going to throw the whole thing off. And like, you're going to notice kind of rubber or um, foam in that costume. But yeah, this is like, this is clearly a creature suffering. And uh, maybe that's also, yeah, like you're saying, part of the reason Dutch has to throw the rock is he's taken so aback by this creature's costume design. Like, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe how realistic this looks. Like, there's no, I can't just smash it. I'm not, I'm not an assassin. I'm a rescue team. Like, we are rescue team, not assassins. (laughs) Maybe he's thinking, maybe like a little 1% part of Dutch is thinking like, uh, the good guys have to do in movies is like, well, I have to give an effort to save the bad guy. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, kill he, him is, outright. he is pinned under a log. He's covered in his own disgusting blood. Um, he's clearly suffering and hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, there, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll forgive Dutch for throwing that rock down the hill. Maybe he just looks so vulnerable and so, close to death that he feels no fear here. Right. It's like, it's kind of like Luke throwing the lightsaber at the end of return of the Jedi instead of finishing off Vader. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. Hmm. And then, yeah, the emperor shocks him and all that, but uh, I really like the shot of him. I even copied and pasted the shot, uh, the aerial shot here, the bird's eye view shot of Dutch tossing the rock. It's an interesting choice to compose a shot like this, where you have, looking straight down, you're not looking at Dutch and the predator and the log in the center of the frame. You have uh, Dutch kind of in the upper left corner. You have the log. This, now you see the size of the log. The log is gigantic. Would you rather is yeah, uh, it's bigger massive. than bigger than the predator. So yeah, let's just say yeah. that. 
Predator okay. is stuck. Yeah. The Predator looks kind of like a smushed slug underneath this thing. But right. the way this top down makes it appear is like you clearly see Dutch as the victor here. Dutch is standing over him. Um, and really any other kind of camera angle probably wouldn't work very well. Like you couldn't have a good side shot of the two of them in this pose. Uh, you couldn't have a good like, I don't know how else you would say it, like looking over Dutch's shoulder where you have Dutch in the foreground. It just, I don't think is uh, as effective as something like this where you have the whole thing in frame and uh, they clearly have the right side of the frame opened up. So you, I guess you can see the law or the um, big rock rolling off into the uh, the downhill area. Yeah. And um, yeah, the aerial shot is, like you said, it's, it's well composed and, it's a cool effect with that glowing green blood on there. Like it does not look, it doesn't look uh, artificial. Like they, they mm-hmm. do a good job of making that look organic and lifelike in that shot. Yeah. And I, I don't think you see another shot like that really uh, in the movie. I think the last overhead shot I could really think of was specifically the stick around scene where um, mm. the guy's sneaking up behind Arnold. And as Arnold is going from post to post uh, there's and like firing, like down, whatever down range and the guy sneaking up behind him and you have the overhead shot kind of tracking Dutch. And then it switches to the face to face, like throwing the knife through the guy and saying, stick around, stick around. Right. If you look at that overhead shot and you, you freeze it, you can see the predator's arm is not stuck under the log mm-hmm. on the right side. You see that this a, might be a little bit of a foreshadowing there. To the next, yeah. uh, next minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's holding the log, and you see this uh, the razor claws. What is it? The wrist blades yeah. still there, but it it definitely has more of an impotent look right here versus like when he was, uh, you know, extending them, coming around, taking care of business to where Dutch was just a minute ago. Really. Mm-hmm. What do you make of uh, Dutch's uh, line of dialogue here? What the hell are you? What the hell are you? It's, this not is, a, it's not a question. It's not. A, I've listened to this line a bunch. He doesn't say, what the hell are you? He's just saying, what the hell are you? What the hell are you? Yeah, and it's it's interesting that, you know, it's not a quip. It's not a one-liner, really. It's uh, This is like a genuine line of dialogue that we're getting from the character um, mm-hmm. who is genuinely confused and is wondering what this creature is. Is it a creature from earth? Is it not? Uh, I don't, I think he still doesn't know. What the hell are you? I think, I think that is exactly it. I think he's confused. We don't, he doesn't know. We're not going to know. Yeah. He knows that he's talking to an alien that is very, very unlikely to understand him. So this line is probably more for him and he's going to have quite the shock here when, Predator just repeats his words back to him. There's a lot of debate online about the Predator actually understanding him and saying this mm. back. I don't think so. I I have no faith that the Predator understands what he's saying. Um, there, there's quite a bit in the Xenopedia article about Predator's speech that would also be in my favor. Whereas I think a lot of people like want to romantically think that, oh, these two characters are facing off and they're just like realizing how much of a match they are for each other. I don't think that's it. I think it kind of lends itself to that. Like if you like that kind of scene in a movie where two characters are like, we're not that different. I think that's kind of a dumb thing in my mind. I never really liked that kind of 
that no, kind I, of I, I agree with character you, right? development. I, I always felt like when, because we've gotten a couple moments in the movie where the predator has mimicked the humans around him. Anytime. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all that's happening here. Like he's taking in this language and he's just regurgitating it back at him um, just because uh, that's what, that's what he does. He kind of records or, or listens to their language and then tries to say it himself. He doesn't know what it means. There's, mm-hmm. there's not enough context there for him to know what it means. He's just collecting the language, you know, mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. way he's collecting the skulls. He's, he's just taking Ooh. recordings. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. And it's not like he's going to take his knowledge with him. So right. he's just going to, he's just going to use what's at, at his uh, disposal here. It's, it's, just an interesting tactic, I think, to yeah, repeat back uh, the people's words. For some people, for some instances, it was to kind of set the trap more, like with Dylan and Mac, where he was using. Um, go ahead, Dylan. Mac. Mac. Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> Dylan. 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 Mark. <laughs> Mark. Mark. Uh, but he was using um, Mac's voice to kind of lure Mac, Dylan Mac. out, but he wasn't saying anything to Dylan. Here he's just repeating what Dutch is saying to him. And I, I think, like I said before, a good movie is going to also give you some questions to think about. Why is he doing it? How much does he understand? We're never going to know. We're never going to yeah. know. Never going to know. And then it's okay for them to leave that open. That's uh, yeah. That's one of the good things about this movie is they leave a lot of things unexplained. And that's I think that's great. Like... It's a it's a compact story where you don't need to muddle things with a bunch of backstory. Like we can, as the audience, can just try to fill that in with our imaginations, and that's what's fun about it. So I think that's good restraint. Yeah, yeah. So well done, McTiernan and Co. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little reference to McTiernan, by the way, in the commentary, he says literally nothing this entire minute. So I don't have <laughs> wow. any insight into this. <laughs> So Tiernan, yeah, really, really uh, stepping up there, and I yeah. think I think secretly he likes this movie more than he lets on. If he's going to go these times, just not saying anything, I don't think he's necessarily he doesn't have anything to say. I think he's more yeah. entertained than, by this movie than uh, he's he just lets watching. On. He's cracking a beer. He's enjoying himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just him and the boys, and by boys I mean beers. <laughs> That's uh, what I call my beers because I have no friends. <laughs> You have the podcast. <laughs> I have, I have no Seahawks. friends. I have a little Seahawks gnome in front of me here. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, last thing I'll talk about for this minute, because I'm just about all out of stuff, I think, is uh, the script is becoming even more and more exciting. I only really have a couple more pages after this. Hmm. Uh, this is the part of the script where Dutch has thrown the Predator's weapon into the closing hatch of the spaceship. The hyperdrive is starting to fire up in the Predator's spaceship, but all of a sudden, the weapon hits the control panel in the spaceship. The spaceship starts making some very troublesome whining noises, and then Dutch realizes the ship is about to explode. Dot, dot, dot. Ah! We'll have to see what happens in the next page in the next minutes. It's going to <laughs> really line up with what's going on in the movie, I think. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Really going for that big finish. Really going for the big finish. And like I said before, the script really reaches to 
paint Dutch and the Predator as one and the same as like we're not so different, you and I. Like interesting. Predator's, predator's face looks very human like and there's a scene at the beginning and a scene at the end that show the helicopter being compared to like the spaceship and then Dutch being compared to uh the Predator. But hmm. we'll talk about that another time. Sure. I think I'm all done talking about minute 100 for Predator. I don't know about you, Jeff. I think we did a very good job. Yeah. Should we get to recommends? Yeah. Let's go to recommends. So, Jeff, what are you recommending for the listeners of this You know, week? I'm, I'm going to keep this one short. I've been watching a lot of uh, oldies but goodies this October. I think I'm just in the mood for comfort uh, movies, things that I know I'm going to like. Um, I don't want to waste my time with something that may or may not be good. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching a lot of my favorites. And the other night I watched motherfucking Blade 2. Oh. And God, <laughs> that movie is just a ton of fun. That is, uh, it's the perfect intersection of action and horror and a little bit of silliness. <laughs> um I was really kind of, I didn't even realize I was in the mood for it, but boy, was I ever. So I really enjoyed rewatching Blade 2. I've always loved the Blade movies, all their faults, um, all their faults uh, aside. But uh, so, yeah, that's my recommend. If you haven't watched Blade or Blade 2 in a while, check out those movies. They kick ass. Yeah, uh, I think if I remember we referenced Blade a little bit, uh, that would have been back in 98, and Blade yeah. 2 yeah. is 2002, so that's still to come. Mm. Nice choice. I, de- I definitely remember like that, I think you were talking about um, action horror yeah. movies that definitely fits the bill. Because Blade, Blade definitely has his, its action, but it I think the original Blade, which is great, uh, is a little darker, mm-hmm. um, has some good action sequences, but also has long stretches of kind of sort of moody, dark, you know, storytelling. Whereas Blade 2 just kind of like, just comes out of the gate, guns blazing, uh, swords flying, and uh, mm-hmm. never really, never really lets up, and so in that in that sense, it's super fun, you know. Right. Yeah. And so it's Guillermo del Toro, so it, it, it's a beautiful looking movie. Like he's a good director. So. Oh, that's true. I don't know how I didn't remember that. Yeah. Um, makes sense with like all the gore and fantastic creature effects. Right. Is is Blade Two the one with the vampires who mouths open like three different ways, not yeah. just the one way? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah. Definitely del Toro. Yeah, definitely Del Toro. Yeah, the CGI is a little suspect at times. You can tell they were stretching the budget in places. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Who cares? Just forgive that. It's a, it's a fun ride. So Sweet. I'm recommending Blade 2 this week because why the hell not? Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I'll be recommending a movie too. Not as oldie, but uh, I saw that Terminator Dark Fate popped up on the uh, Amazon video the other day and I just had to watch it because that's the newest uh, one right it's the newest one it's the one that plays like the newest Halloween where it tries to ignore the other sequels and says just the first two count right right it's the new Terminator 3 right the new Terminator 3 I did I remember really not liking Terminator 3 when it came back in the day came out back in the day uh, and I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I think it is considered a box office bomb because it was one of those very expensive movies that uh, made nowhere near the movie, the money it 
<laughs> took to make it and publicize yeah. it. Uh, but I really enjoy just how Terminator it felt like just like you kind of had that sense of dread. I think Terminator 3 really played a little bit too much with like the laughs and the jokes and like Arnold as this comic character. But no, Arnold comes back in this movie as just, uh, I, I don't know, more of a supporting role. And I think he just really does well as that supporting role. I don't want to give a lot away other than it's like Linda Hamilton's back Arnold's back and it's it's kind of a similar story to the other Terminator movies where you need to protect this asset from a Terminator. It's like that tried and true formula uh, that works so well for the first two. I thought worked really well for uh, Terminator Dark Fate. I really don't want to say too much about it because uh, there's a lot of little plot points here and there. Uh, but yeah, solid movie. It's on Prime right now. Yeah. You can ch- check it out. Um, I was hooked uh, just watching the first few minutes. I thought, well, okay, I'm, I'm into it. And I, I think the standout to me other than Arnold, of course, but he's not in it that much, is uh, Mackenzie Davis as, like, the future protector, um, Grace. And, uh, she just kicks so much ass. <laughs> so much ass! You know, I started watching Dark Fate uh, a while back when it first came out, and uh, for some reason I had to stop. And it wasn't because I wasn't enjoying it, but something came up or I had to turn it off or whatever. And I only had gotten like 20 minutes in and uh, I've, I mm. never uh, picked it up and finished it. So, and I kind of forgot about that. So you're inspiring me to finish my watch. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's ex- yeah. That's exciting. And Looking forward to it. Yeah. Sweet. And then, and, and they do kick the old score in now and again that. Dun, 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 yes. Dun, 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 dun. I love that. Love that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, <laughs> loving kicking in the old score, like, Jeff, where can people find you on the old, what, Twitter sphere? Twitter yeah, scheme? Just get on Twitter and then search for, <laughs> and you'll find uh, Jeff Glover at uh, Carl underscore. Hungus314, come check me out there. I'm on the Twitter, occasionally tweeting or retweeting things. My name is Carl been expert. John, where can we find all things Predator Minute? Well, well, before I do that, let me just mm. take one, like literally one second to <laughs> be serious for a moment. Mm. And that this podcast will be coming out just a few days before the 2020 election. Oh, shit. Is that true? So it, yeah, that's true. So let me just double check. I believe the election is the what the third? Third. Yep. Yes. Everyone go vote. Out. Yeah, this will be coming out Halloween weekend. So all fun and games aside, after you party up in Halloween, or maybe how about a better idea before you party up in Halloween? Uh, make sure <laughs> you're hearing this after it, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, make sure you're going out to vote. Make sure you're making your voice heard. Uh, whatever that looks like in your state here in Washington, we just mail the suckers and it's nice. I just run across the street, drop that ballot in the library mail ballot box and I am good to go. I already did that. I think last week, as soon as it came out on the 13th, every state should just go to statewide mail, uh, mail in ballots, dude. Washington state started doing that. What? 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Greatest thing ever. Like the ballots just come the ballot with the ballot booklet just comes to your house. You can sit down with a cup of coffee or a can of beer. You fill it in. <laughs> the boys. The boys. Yeah, my friends. Uh, you <laughs> fill it out, fold that shit up, put it back in your mailbox. Done. Done. You don't have to miss work. You don't have to wait in line. 
Like I do not understand why every state doesn't do this. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so easy. And anyway, that's my diatribe, but go out and vote, get fine, figure it out. What you do in your state, figure it out and go vote, please. Please, please vote, 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 vote early and vote often. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. You can't vote often. Don't do that. That's fraud. It's <laughs> fraud. Um, do not commit mail. Vote fraud. hard. <laughs> vote with your dick. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> uh, uh, I, don't even, I don't even know what to say with that. Don't, don't do that. You'll get in trouble. That's uh, indecent exposure. Don't do that. Right, right. That's, that's all Trump became president. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Voted a big dick. Good job. Uh, just grab him by the dick. Grab him by the dick. Wow, be well, this, wait, are you, <laughs> wait, can we talk wait, weren't about, you telling us where we could find all things Predator Minutes? I was about to, and then we went all dick, that was weird. We went all, we went full dick. <laughs> you never go full dick. You never go full dick. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so uh, where were we? You can find Predator Minute on Twitter, at Predator Minute. You can also <laughs> email the show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com, and you can join the Facebook lively, lively discussion group, the Predator Minute listeners Palapa. Target's the center of the Palapa. Target's the center of the Palapa. Target's the center of the Palapa. <laughs> yes, Palapa. Target's the center of the Palapa. <laughs> And uh, gosh, I think we did it. For everything Predator Minute 100, I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Gross. <laughs>